Disclaimer. The following episode contains details that may be considered eerie, demonic, or just really freaking messed up. Here we are joined by my good buddy and fellow paranormal and history buff, Justin. Justin, welcome to the podcast and thank you for joining me as we embark on this adventure back in time to the World War II era. You know, when you think World War II, you think about Pearl Harbor, Germany, Adolf Hitler, and the Nazis. However, I bet you don't think about the possibility of the Nazis having contact and the capability of alien technology. That is what we're here to discuss tonight. Justin, why don't you tell us a little bit? Uh, yeah. <clears throat> so, uh, thank you for uh, having me. Um, so, if you, uh, if you ever look back during uh, the whole span of World War II as far as what uh, <clears throat> the Nazis had as far as weaponry and their capability and stuff, it was pretty amazing as far as the kind of technology that they had. It was very, way more advanced above the time of what was really capable, you know. Um, so, getting into <clears throat> the, uh, as far as the UFO technology goes, so, uh, in 1936, um, close to uh, uh, Freiburg, Germany, uh, in the Black Forest, there was a crash, okay. Um, <laughs> The ironic thing is it's almost as similar as, as Roswell in 1947. Okay. okay. So, um, so there's a crash in the middle of the night. Uh, reportedly that there was a craft of some sort. Um, the uh, SS, uh, uh, Hitler's uh, special service, um, came out and investigated the crash site and uh, took all of their findings, reportedly a craft, bodies, to... Um, the Welvesburg Castle, which was their stronghold, it was like the SSHQ, right? And there's actually a whole lot of separate history of just that castle alone, uh, going into like the occult and stuff like that. But no, that's, that's a whole different, whole different thing. So, <clears throat> um, that was the start of it. Um, and later on, uh, uh, there was a couple other things that happened. Um, so, in 1938. Germany sent an expedition to Antarctica, okay? Now, this could lead up to a whole different conversation. Um, <clears throat> as far as the story goes, where they had their own testing base, their own secret base, you know, after World War II, the Nazis ran to their, this base in, uh, in uh, Swabia, Antarctica. Them okay? little bastards. Right. So, and there is, uh, there is some conversation or whatever about, um, you know, after World War II, uh, America was doing quote unquote a military training drill uh, when they sent a massive amount of an armada of carriers, destroyers, troops to Antarctica. So, but that's a whole different story. Um, it's like a lot of things that surround Antarctica as far uh, as uh, yeah. aliens go. Right. Uh, yeah, there's definitely some uh, different types of histories and theories there. Um, but uh, that happened in 1938. So, uh, in 1939, it was speculated that there was a program called the, <clears throat> called the Hanabu program, which, uh, for layman's terms, was Nazi UFOs. Um, these were declared to kind of be an eight-man uh, piloted craft. So, um, and uh, the propulsion drive that they used to actually... Um, it's kind of difficult, obviously, you know, the listeners can't really understand or kind of get the visual, but 
um, their propulsion drive came from underneath. Um, I guess in a way it was like lightning in a bottle. Okay, so it projected this energy and it flowed from the bottom around the disc shape of the wings and it was just a, a constant, almost like a, almost like magnet waves. You so know, it flew from the bottom out to the outside? Right, and, and it, it was okay. just a cycle. And so it was like two, uh, two separate cycles, but it caused it to beat gravity. So it was anti-gravitics is what it was, and it lifted okay. the ship so that they could fly. Um, so getting into that, you had a lot of other, uh, um, I guess as far as, uh, a lot of their other larger than life weapons that they created during World War II, you had like your V2 rocket, excuse me. Um, <clears throat> they also had the, the Messerschmitt ME-262 jet, which was one of the first actual rocket propul propulsion jets at, at, of the time. Um, they had, uh, the, uh, the layman's term was the, uh, the vengeance missile or the vengeance weapon. So, um, back when we actually started doing, uh, bombing runs on Germany themselves, uh, Hitler's, uh, engineers and stuff, they developed a weapon, which essentially in modern times became a cruise missile. So it was one of the very first of that kind too, as well. Um, and uh, one of the main overseers of a lot of their special projects um, was uh, Hans uh, Kammler. And one of the biggest projects he supposedly had a, a, a role in was uh, the uh, Deklaki, or the Bell. Um, and then uh, you have Werner uh, von Braun, which we can touch on him a little bit later, but um, probably one of the biggest speculative things as far as their technology goes in World War II, what they had other than their uh, UFOs was uh, the bell. So um, I believe you have some information over there. I uh, do. Um, I researched this extensively. So a little bit about de Glocka. Uh, rumors of de Glocka, meaning the bell, it was described that it was a space traveling UFO like saucer craft developed by World War II Nazis. Uh, so. The mounting evidence now confirms that the Nazi-era Germans developed advanced technologies that allowed them to make covert missions off Earth. New surface documents and interviews confirms that secret Nazi space programs did exist. Uh, it is said that the Nazi advanced tech allowed German capabilities to travel off Earth using the Nazi bell, or as we established known in German as de Glocki. Uh, yeah, so one thing on that, um, the it being an actual traveling UFO is one speculation of what it could have been for. Because actually, because the, the it's so broad as far as what it really was, you know, no one really could determine exactly what it was, you know, or what it was for. Um, one of the more plausible ideas uh, was that they were trying to uh, I guess in lamest terms make it a time machine okay um, so there's some evidence um, and you can really get further on into this you know with Albert Einstein's uh, there's parts of his theory of relativity and different parts of it where you know he says that people you know uh, human beings are capable of traveling in time and actually he's proven that 
Um, if someone is going fast enough, time moves faster for them and it slows for someone else. So, but I mean, you can get into a whole different topic with all that kind of stuff. But one of the other theories about the bell was, is that they were trying to create a time machine. So, which in theory, um, because it was said that the bell was still up until the point where the Soviets were getting into Poland and getting closer to Germany that the bell would have still been one of the greatest weapons they ever had. So in theory, if it was a time machine, which is kind of how I like to look at it, they could have went back or traveled to any point in time and, and changed a, the course of the war if they wanted to. So, Wow, time travel. Yeah. That's... That's nuts. That's something you hear all the time in comic books and even you know conspiracy theories mm. and, and, and all that stuff. I did not hear that about this. Yeah. From what I researched, I did not hear that, but that's fascinating. Well, from what I'm gathering, you know, just from the research that you have, um, it another idea of what the bell could have been was, uh, I guess for lack of a better term, like an interdimensional travel. Um, because when you start getting into like quantum theory and mechanics and stuff like that, um, you know this is this is like the third plane. Like our reality is on the third plane, okay? As as we know it. I get ready for some mind bending stuff so, here. <laughs> uh, and I don't want to get too far off the topic, you know, because you know there's a lot that we want to try to talk about, and and you know this is all subject matter that you could possibly use further on down. Yeah, yeah, know? no, do tell, do tell. Um. But, you know, there's different planes of existence, okay? We, we live on the third plane. Um, there are, I'm trying to think, there are ways to potentially uh, travel into different existing planes. So, um, you know, you start hearing about out-of-body experiences, right? Well, people who say they have an out-of-body experience, it's, it's their inner, uh, I guess, inner soul, for lack of better terms, but it's their inner essence that is ascending to a different plane of existence. Now, when you say out-of-body, you mean astral projection? Kind of, exactly. Okay. You, you are projecting into a different plane of, of an existence. So having capability... Uh, to do that through actual mechanical means is not as far-fetched as people might think. You just have to work the science out, you know, and then you have to... I'm getting way off track because there's so much stuff that's going on <laughs> through my head right now, and I'm trying to make I'm sure... I'm sure there'll be a part two. I'm almost guaranteeing it. Um, but with all that, you know, you start with... When you talk about interdimensional traveling, you start talking about, like, zero-point energy. Um... You start talking about anti-gravitics. Uh, you, you just you start talking about a whole bunch of other stuff that <laughs> we'll we'll get back to what we're talking about because I'm getting way off topic. But there's a lot that can go into that. Time so. travel. That I'm I'm convinced that explains Keanu Reeves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all those pictures and stuff that you see. Of yes, like, yes. Like you see the, the memes past. all the time. Yeah, right. Exactly. Dude, don't age. Yeah, yeah. There's actually mm -hmm. a few of those guys out there. Yeah, that don't yeah, age. absolutely. Jennifer Aniston being another mm -hmm. one. Yep. All right. So <clears throat> the bell is considered to be the, the heart of the German space program. I, I believe from what I was reading that this was the core of it and everything was built around it. Right. Um, 
in theory with the bell uh it was a direct descendant of them reverse engineering uh technologies that they got from that crash back in 1936 so it was where um the fueling that they were um creating with it yeah uh i, I forget what it's called what was uh, zero and 525 yeah so um the bell was said to have uh an electromagnetic propulsion engine inside of it. Um, the fuel, um, which was, if I believe correctly, it was almost like a mercury uh, type substance. Um, you know how, like, if you had mercury sit on the top of your table, it would roll. You know, it doesn't just, uh, it just doesn't spill over. It stays solid, but it's fluid. Right. Um, I'm trying to remember the gentleman's name. Uh, there was a, a scientist, uh, uh, part of the the Nazi uh, Corps. He came up with a theory for that idea of, of fuel because if you, ironically enough, and I'm trying to remember exactly how he his theory of it was was if you look at fish in a stream, okay, um, the stream may be flowing past them but the fish are able to stay still it's because they are they're fluid within that stream they're they are a solid but is capable of of traveling in that stream i'm i'm kind of butchering that a little bit but i'm trying to remember exactly what that gentleman's name was and i'll have to think about it but uh he's the one that came up with the uh the mercury color uh or not discovered it uh he was part of the the fueling yes Mm mm-hmm or the theory of it, anyways. See if I can find it real quick. But, uh, but um, as far as lead oversights for Jacob Spornberg, yeah, I, th- I believe that was probably it. I actually have that in my notes later on, but okay. it did say he was a scientist. It said he was a uh, SS officer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. I mean, I guess it could have been both. Yeah. But since we're touching on the fuel and systems, uh, Zerum 525 in English is Serum 525, which, as you said, is a liquid fuel. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fuel is a, what I've got here is that it was discovered as a sometimes cherry red, velvet, or maroon color right. with a vicious, dense, and gooey texture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Some people believe this liquid to be red mercury, yeah. such as you touched on. Zerum uh, 525 was placed in large counter-rotating cylinders that spun at high speeds. The rapid spinning combined with the highly charged electrostatic tube created anti-gravity compulsions, mm-hmm. or propulsions, sorry, yeah. excuse me, that power spacecraft to heightened speeds. So right, and so that's that's there. kind of like the electromagnetic propulsion. So the idea is in electromagnetic propulsion, the fuel that they used, um, they had them kind of counter-rotating, right? Okay. So what you get from that is you start generating a, uh, a magnetic field, okay? Okay. And then when you have an electronic pulse or discharge within that field, it, in theory, um, it creates enough uh, power to essentially break the laws of gravity and become anti-gravitic, so. Okay, yeah. So when that happens, since we hit that up, uh, it says that when when active, when the bell is active, using this um, 
propulsion. Mm-hmm. Said it had an effective zone between 490 feet and 660 feet around the craft. Right. Um, there was testimonies that showed that unexplainable things occurred within this zone. Yeah. You know, formation of crystals with animal tissue, decomposition of plant matter into a greasy substance and gelling and separation of blood. Do you have any knowledge on that? Um, okay, so when you start getting into... That kind of ties in a little bit into what I was talking about. So, um, when you would have turned something uh, like that on, um, you essentially... Okay, like the crystals and stuff like that, the, the formation the, the uh, of different things, you know, you can possibly create... Uh, essentially you almost have the power to create a wormhole or uh, breaking into um, for lack of better terms different realities stuff like that now some of that might blend over from different planes or, or, or whatever you know it's uh, it kind of goes into um, a theory about uh, you know ghosts and stuff you know? okay yep so one of the theories that actually talks about um, ghosts is that they're really not spirits. They're just uh, replaying from a different time um, on a different plane. And sometimes our plane and that plane meshes where it's almost like watching a video. Um, so it they break into our plane. Um so making a propulsion drive like that and producing that much power, I have no doubt has the ability to break into a different plane or a different reality per se. Okay, so it's like a crack in time? Uh, yeah, I, I guess we can say it's something like that. You know, it, you crack into a different plane, um, which obviously could, you know, you have a crack, something might spill into it, you know, so that yep. might explain why things started to form or appear or degrade you know that that's always a possibility with with uh powerful things like that if you don't have like proper guarding or anything like that i gotcha interesting so there was testimonies that claims that the nazis were visiting the moon mars and possibly the and i'm going to butcher this name that alderbarian solar system okay or Aldebaran. Yeah. Uh, I'm guessing this was all tied to once they launched it. I don't believe this was prior to them making of the bell. No. Um, so, it, the funny enough, um, there is a, <laughs> they made a movie called Iron Sky. I don't know if you've ever seen it. But it was... I've seen Iron Giant and October Sky. No. no. <laughs> so unless they fuse so, together. No, I've never so seen it. So Iron Sky, uh, I guess, was a uh, a theoretical if the Nazis actually escaped Earth to the moon. Um, and it's it's actually a pretty funny video. It's it's definitely a satire, you know. It's, it's all meant to be funny. But, okay. Um, but astronauts go up there, they land on the moon, they find this massive Nazi moon base, and then they still think it's World War II era, you know, and they come to invade <laughs> uh, Earth again with Nazi spaceships and shit like that. And it's, pre- it's pretty funny. It's, 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 it's good. 
So that sounds better than Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter or whatever the hell that movie <laughs> yeah, was. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I gotcha. <laughs> Uh, so it says that the unknown energy source was capable of powering sustained flight beyond Earth's orbit, as we just covered. Uh, rumored to be the focal point for Germany's reunification period. Yeah. The bell was referred to as Wunderwaffe, or in uh, English translation, the Wonder Weapon. Wunderwaffe. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So, I'm guessing that this was supposed to be the turning point in the war. Yes. Um, so you have to understand something, especially about Hitler uh, during World War II. That he was a crazy bastard? <laughs> okay. Now, this is an unpopular opinion. Yes, Hitler was a very crazy, uh, crazy man. But he... The way that he went about different things, um, you know, his, his tactics in the, in the beginning of the war were... Uh, he was a very great strategist with his Blitzkrieg and stuff like that. Um, but obviously, over time, uh, the Allies overcame him and everything. And there's a lot of, without going into greater actual war history, you know. Um, but during this time, he had people. Have you ever heard about him looking for like the Ark of the Covenant and the Holy Grail? Yes. So yes. you've heard about all that? Yeah. Okay. So this tells you how far he was willing to go to try to find ways to have ultimate power uh, during that time. So, obviously, him having confidence, and that was another question, like, how was he so confident that he was going to be the leader of the world, essentially? And to him, if he had technology like this, obviously, if you were a world, or a, you know, a leader in a war and you had technology like that, wouldn't you think you had the biggest balls in the court? <laughs> right. Yeah, no, I get it. I totally get it. I always heard he was the the one of the most incredibly smart dumb people. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, but it's just it's <laughs> ironic that, and, and I'm sidebarring here that I always thought it was funny that he always wanted the perfect German, right? Yeah. But him himself was never a German. Yeah, I know. It's just, so, it's, well, here's the funny thing, okay? That whole situation uh, really shows you the ability per, through persuasion, okay? Um, how was he able to persuade the German people that, don't worry about these camps, don't worry about all these people being hauled to these camps, just don't even think about it. And the German people went along with it. Because they thought that that was the thing that they were supposed to do. Charisma. Yeah. So, um, and that that kind of goes into okay, not to get on the on the sidebar again, but so for instance, you know, you're talking about UFOs and aliens. Yep. What happens when you tell somebody that you believe in UFOs? You believe in aliens? They think you're crazy. Right. What is the greatest way? To make something seem untrue, you downplay it. So, say for instance, Roswell. Okay, really was a UFO, really was aliens. Government goes on a play of being like, "Oh, you think that was a little green man? You're an idiot. You're you're crazy." You know, and then that just that story keeps rolling, and it makes people who actually have seen things or might believe in that. Now the 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 whole idea of that being true has been tarnished by. Oh, there's no possible way that can be true, and you're just a conspiracy theorist. You're just crazy. 
since you mentioned that, and and I hate to to break what you're saying here, but yeah. and I thought about this, and I've even said this on another episode. Would you, if you had available the answer to that, if it were true or not, would you want to know? Absolutely. Interesting. I don't know if I would want to or not. Why? Because if you get the, I mean, if it's true, great. But if it's not, you killed the legend. No more, no more of the, uh, the excitement. The okay, so I, I misunderstood your question. So if, uh, so you're saying if someone was like, I'm going to tell you the truth, do you want to know the truth? Yes. Whether it's true or not. Yeah, I still would. And that's with anything, or is that just with Roswell? Oh, I'm talking about. Oh, I thought we were talking about just aliens in general. I was, but I, yeah. I, I, I yeah, yeah. modified. No, it. yeah, I would want to know. Like, um, and I had this conversation with somebody the other day mm-hmm. with the whole. Uh, and actually, I mentioned it on my Paul is Dead episode. Yeah. Would you want to know if Paul McCartney is actually Paul McCartney or? If he's this uh, Billy Shears, would you want to be disappointed if he's just Paul, or would you want to have the conspiracy in the back of your head if you were a conspiracy theorist mind, believing in that theory? I think, I think, a lot of people, and just not myself, deep down, no matter how the truth is going to affect them, like you already, if you have an idea that the truth is just going to suck, it's going to hurt. Deep down, they still want to know because you get closure out of that, you know. So, knowing yes or no, yes, okay, it kills the myth, mm-hmm. you know, that aliens really aren't real. It doesn't mean that they can't be entertaining, you know. But see, here's the thing. There's too much facts and too much theories out there for it to not be real. That was my next question. I was going to put you on the spot. Mm-hmm. What, do you, what do you weigh in on? Do you think there is other life forms out there? Absolutely. Why would we have such a giant galaxy and we be the only living life forms? Right. and That and would be a sick joke. Science for years and years and, and decades and whatever right. said that there's other life forms out there. But we, no. what? We found water and plant life on other planets? Parasites. All right. sorts of stuff. Yeah. Now, let me ask you this. If you solely knew that all that was true, all of it was real... Would you spill the beans? I don't think I would. No. I, mean, I feel like I would want to be a whistleblower. Yeah. But at the same time, you're putting yourself out there to not only be a target for the people that think you're crazy, but you're making yourself feel crazy. Uh, other people's going to think you feel crazy. Well, no, I'm saying you have full-fledged, here's the evidence, right here. And it's undeniable. No one can try to shut you down. Like You have undeniable evidence. So no consequence. Not to you. Okay. Because I don't, I don't want to like, if I blow the whistle, I don't want to be like found dead in my bed from a... <laughs> An apparent quote-unquote overdose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, absolutely then. Uh, if, if I had the capabilities of proven... Now what would you think the reaction of the world would be? I think no matter what, what you supply, there's always going to be naysayers. Absolutely. But that's what I'm saying is... We're talking about undeniable evidence that, that you know, eventually, like, let me say, the evidence is so strong that the naysayers would be the ones considered crazy. At that point, I think the world would change for, for indefinitely, but I think that it would also think 
that instead of a positive outlook, people's going to think chaos. Why? Because they've seen all this media, like Independence Day and everything. That now, that goes back to what I said about how do you make something real seem so false. Right. You go into a propaganda of making aliens seem like they're coming here just to blow up the world. Mm -hmm. That's the stigma that people have. So you about put it. the front up to hide the real. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the answer is you storm Area 51. <laughs> and you all we, saw how that turned. When out. you get there, all you do is just put on a concert. <laughs> Excuse me. Yes. Um, no, but I, I think. And, and you know what, though? I, I honestly think not a whole lot of people would be surprised. I don't think so either. Uh, especially when you're getting more and more stuff out there these days that seem to be putting out the evidence. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know if you got a chance to check out Netflix. They've got a Bob Lazar documentary on there mm -hmm. that starts talking about his time through Area 51 yeah. and all of his uh, secrets and code clearance and how they try to downplay him that he actually worked yeah. there and how it doesn't exist and all of his, uh, him being recruited. Well, it's all about like the, the, the uh, Disclosure Project by Stephen Greer. You ever heard anything about that? I have not, but oh. I'm interested. Man, I could roll into a whole another segment with just that. So, so. so this Bob Lazar documentary, it followed him it, for years and years. He wouldn't talk about it. Yeah, he was done with it. He wanted to walk away from mm -hmm. it for I, I don't know if it was for fear of consequence yeah. or if he just wanted to wash his hands of it. He was mm -hmm. done with it. Yeah, but every everything from his education to being hired on from his first job to being recruited, it's like his whole slate got wiped clean. Yeah, when you tried to to reference if he actually worked there he got erased yeah exactly mm -hmm. company said we have no records hr said no yep. records school says no records yep. but there's people out there that testify mm -hmm. no i did work with him no i did go yep. to school with him he was bright guy was building uh i think it was uh rocket cars mm. in his garage and that's what got the attention yeah and uh it's just, it's a it's if you are a documentary person and that's anybody out there if if you are a documentary type person and you have time and you can stay awake I, I suggest you checking it out I believe yep. it's still on Netflix I just watched it like a month ago mm -hmm. but it's it's yeah. a, a uh, good actually watch. yeah if uh, I'm talking about documentaries on Netflix um, if any of you want to look into actual proven uh, technology uh, that the Germans were using during World War II uh, it's still on Netflix right now but it's called uh, Nazi Mega Weapons and that actually covers uh, the V2 rockets, um, the uh, the Vengeance missile, and mega tanks, and I mean it even goes so far as to the crazy stuff that Japan was using for the kamikazes. Did you know Japan had kamikaze missiles? I did or not. Bombs and kamikaze torpedoes. Kamikaze is. Uh... I don't, I don't know what that term is, but I know when kamikaze is basically a suicide run, right? Right, exactly. So, but isn't all, all missiles really kamikaze? Yeah. Well, these ones were piloted by people. Oh. Yes. Shit. Yeah. So, uh, what they would do is the the, the J Japanese bombers would fly over like cruise ships and stuff, uh, or like cruisers or battleships, and they would have this this bomb essentially strapped to the bottom of it, and they would drop it, and as it got closer to the ship the person inside of that missile would hit the rocket booster and steer it into the ship. Same way with the sub with the torpedoes. 
Holy crap. Yeah. It, it was some crazy stuff. He's saying my prayers and so, my vitamins <laughs> at that point. So anyways, yeah. So if anybody wants to take a look at that, it's Nazi Nazi Mega Weapons. It's uh, it's on YouTube. It's it's pretty interesting. There's three seasons of it. So. Well, I'm definitely going to be watching it. Yeah. Seasons, so it's a, a series. So it's yeah, a TV it's a series. series. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That, that's cool. I, I did not know about that. But yeah. I'm definitely going to be watching it because... Yeah, as stated earlier, I'm a big history buff. Mm-hmm. Everybody who knows me knows that. Yeah. And obviously, I'm a paranormal and mm-hmm. conspiracy theory. So all yeah. that falls within my realm. Yeah, and, yeah absolutely. And that's great. So uh, let's let's get into what it's made of, yeah. the, the bell, now that we're back on topic. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Justin and I are, when we get together, we, we talk a lot. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we do we, get we, off topic. We tend to ramble. <laughs> do not be surprised if this does turn into a, a part two mm-hmm. or if he does come back for another show, um, especially if you guys like it. Uh, oh, yeah. If you guys free. like it, I'll, I'll come back and drop knowledge bombs all left and right. Man. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm all for that because uh, the dialogue is much better than just a monologue. I am a firm believer of that. But from what I read, the bell was uh, – it was 12 to 15 feet in diameter, mm-hmm. or I'm sorry, 12 foot diameter by 12 to 15 feet tall. Yes. And it was fabricated out of a very hard and heavy metal, along with a very light metal called, and I'm, it's German words, so I don't know if you know it or not, but it's light metal, which from what I've seen is basically aluminum. Yeah, I was about to say, it's, it's technically uh, aluminum or aluminum. Yeah, however aluminum. you want to say it, um, and it was also speculated that it had a ceramic coating on the on the actual top of the bell as well. Ah, I did not see that. Yeah, interesting. Uh, designers used beryllium peroxide and thorium peroxide, although I did not see what that was for. Did do you have any idea what that could possibly be for? And I don't even know what the difference between beryllium and thorium peroxide are. Uh, Sounds like some kind of chemical makeup. Yeah, for I'm not quite sure. A Unless propulsion it, system, possibly. Maybe it, it it could be. Yeah, I'd have to look into that just a little bit further. Yeah, because that's the only thing mixed with the Zerum 525. That's the mm-hmm. only thing I could think of unless, chemically. Unless they used it as a, a coating of some sort for like high heat, possibly. Yeah. Okay, that's possible. I didn't think about that. Uh. And I don't have this in my notes, but we we did talk about this prior to recording. The hinge or the silo that the bell sat in. And anybody can Google the uh, the Nazi bell or mm-hmm. die Glocke on Google. You'll get CGI images, fan art. Legos. <laughs> Legos, apparently. Um, it, it's, uh, it cracked me up. That's a whole other thing. We tried to get an idea of the, the bell sitting down inside this hinged silo area, and we got... Legos as if it were from the Lego Batman movie or yeah, something. Yeah, it was pretty funny. It, it was entertaining. It was entertaining, but it was the right idea. That right. was what's important. Uh, and there's also paintings, which we will get to here in a little bit. But let's touch base on the hinge a little bit. Justin, you have some information on that, right? Right. So it's actual documented evidence that this is this was a... Uh, a area actually under uh, Nazi control. It was. Um, it did have or quartered soldiers and everything there. Um, it's also known as Hitler's Stonehenge. Um, I was going to say it does look like a Stonehenge. Yeah, only yeah, the it does. Right, them. yeah. Um, so it, it was uh, located in uh, Silesia, Poland. Um, 
the interesting thing about it was is that this area there was three or three outer rings essentially um, that led to it um, and of course you had your tunnels and and this and that in every ring but in the center was where the that the hinge actually stood um, you know of course they talk about uh, you know it was the the bottom framing for a, a water cooling for like a coal mine and stuff like that. But there was just way too much uh, activity there and way too much muscle from the German army for it to just be a standard coal mine. Right. Excuse me. Um, so uh, <laughs> the bad thing is, well, actually, we'll, we'll get that a little bit later on um, as far as the, the theories of what happened with the hinge uh, or, or not the hinge but the bell um, but uh, so when you start talking about the bell itself um, it was tied into the structure of the hinge uh, when it was activated um, because of the anti-gravitics that were going on with it it had to be essentially restrained with inside of the hinge and that was you know essentially the design of the structure it was the, the uh to keep it together and or as far as like keep it grounded to the to the planet <laughs> essentially right. so so in your opinion do you think that the nazis had help from aliens to build the uh hinge or silo area or do you think that was all them constructing it themselves based on knowledge that they got from the aliens uh, I believe they constructed it themselves. I mean, if you look back at the different types of elaborate structures that they built during World War II, like the amount of concrete that was used for different structures is immense. Like, and the the uh, the designs that they had. So here's an example. So they had a U-boat bunker essentially okay. uh, built for the, the Nazi U-boats, the submarines. Um, they designed it to where there was an air gap in the ceiling. So if our bombers came, excuse me, if our bombers came and dropped bombs on the bunker itself, they would explode in the air gap before even getting anywhere inside the actual bunker itself. So it essentially was like a false ceiling and it would take an immense bomb just to crack the actual ceiling of that bunker. So they, the, the architectures for a lot of the structures, I mean, you can, you can look at anything. You know, the Atlantic Wall, uh, the Wolf's Den, you can look at any kind of different types of structures that they've ever made, and it's just an elaborate structure. You know, so I have no doubt that the Germans themselves actually made all of that. Yeah, I was wasn't sure if maybe because of, we mentioned Stonehenge and the speculation behind Stonehenge is that there was yeah. aliens that built that right. based on the primitive right. people that were there. But the thing about it is, is that Stonehenge. Uh, I mean, the whole thing with Stonehenge was that at the time that it was dated to be made, there was no way that with simple machines that they were able not only to be able to move the types of stones from the region that they stem from to that other region and being able to stack them like they did you know with this this was just a, a modern 
uh, concrete structure that was made in the shape of the hinge, essentially. So, so I, I believe they were the ones who made it. Yeah. So imagine that the hinge itself was outside so that it could launch or dissipate or however it travels without being inside a building right it, it needed a lot of especially if they when they turned it on um because it had just uh i guess when it was sitting in neutral mode if you want to say it um it wanted to roam quite a bit um so it was easier for them to have it uh, attached to an out, an outdoor structure than actually trying to contain it inside of a building not to mention the immense field and power that it produced I don't believe they would want it to be put inside. They would much rather have it set outside. Right, and that goes back to that 490 to 660 feet effective mm -hmm. zone that we talked about right. earlier. So this house facility, uh, from what I read, was called Deris, or in English is called The Giant, which is located near the Wenceslas border of the Czech border. Mm -hmm. uh, which is driving distance from Germany. Um, right. Well, from the race to the Czech border is driving distance. Yes. Do you know if this particular facility housed any other uh, alien technology, or was this strictly just for the Bell? Uh, I think because of the technology... And everything that was wrapped up strictly in the bell, I think this facility was strictly set for that. Okay. I don't think there's anything else. I mean, there's speculation on different locations where they, like with the uh, with the Hanabu program and stuff like that, or like the Nazi UFOs, I think those were all in a different separate structure someplace else. I gotcha. Okay. Well, we have some testimonials of evidence from people that were back in that era uh, that were both researchers, authors, um, first-hand officers from that that we're going to touch on now, if you're all right with that. Yeah, go for it. Uh, at the end of the World War II era, a former Nazi SS, Obergruppenführer, if I said that correctly, <laughs> uh, which is one of the highest commissioned Nazi ranks, mm -hmm. Jacob Sporenberg, uh, he was tried for the execution of 60 German engineers, scientists, and technicians. You know, on a side note, so given the fact at the end of the war, um, that's exactly what happened to all of the, the engineers and the scientists and the technicians that worked on that project is they were all systematically uh, executed. Expendable, huh? Yeah. And we're talking high-ranking scientists and engineers. The SS lined them all up and just oh, e execution Contained their secrets. Yep, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. So he admitted to their murders were to prevent the details of mm -hmm. Die Glocke being exposed to the world. Yeah, absolutely. Which yeah. makes sense. Um, terrible, but makes sense. Yes. Uh, fellow Germans called the bell Die Bienstock or... In English, it's the beehive. Uh, because of the loud hissing and buzzing it produced when it was operational. And that would have kind of attributed to the uh, electromagnetic engine as it, uh, as it produced a, a magnetic field. Um, 
it's almost like when you get too close to something, uh, almost like uh, you know those balls that have like little beams of electricity that come through. Yeah, you can put your finger on it. You can kind of feel that that buzz makes your hair raise up. Yep, it would produce the same uh, feeling uh, as far as an electromagnetic engine would. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. So earlier we we mentioned paintings. Mm-hmm. Um, those paintings were actually done by one Charles A. A. Delshaw. He was a late 19th century artist, and he had painted images of the bell before it was actually deployed in World War II. Uh, some say he was in contact with extraterrestrials with a pro-Nazi agenda. Now, I, I'm not sure why the extraterrestrials would have a pro-Nazi agenda. Uh, I was just about to say, was the painter pro-Nazi or was the extraterrestrials pro-Nazi? <laughs> the way I read it, it was saying that the extraterrestrials had a pro-Nazi agenda. Maybe they shared some beliefs of some sort. Okay. Maybe they were the master of puppets. I don't know. But uh, definitely more than one source that I read said that he was in contact and he painted these paintings prior to production of Die Glocke. Okay, so getting on another sidebar real quick. I have no doubt that he could be in contact with aliens because uh, this is going back to... Uh, I mentioned Stephen Greer. He does this thing where it's called CE5. So this is um, this is a form of communication trying to communicate with. Excuse me. Bolt's getting me. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, so the CE5 is uh, a means of communicating with extraterrestrials through means of meditation. Um, in a sense, as we said, astral projection. Yep. So, but the whole thing, that's what gets me about, you know, you saying aliens with Nazi, uh, uh, I guess. Agendas. Uh, agendas, yeah. No, I, I, for lack of better terms, I think that's bullshit. Um, I think maybe he had Nazi agenda, but uh, because aliens, so let, let's think about this here, for instance. So, here is a race of beings that obviously have a higher intelligence than us because they've already mastered being able to tra- travel through space, right. even time, for instance, that kind of stuff. Um, I think that they view us as a, as a being because, let's be honest, humans are self-destructive in nature. Absolutely. You know? um, and but we have the potential to ascend into a higher sense of existence so i think if aliens were reaching out uh to him i think they were trying to essentially send positive information for us to grow and it was just manipulated in the wrong wrong way um but going back on that little sidebar real quick, so CE5 is basically um, you work on trying to astral project yourself out into the universe to make contact with extraterrestrials because they, in turn, because they've uh, they've accomplished being able to phase into, you know, like... A, a different plane to, for traveling because if you project into a different 
plane other than the third plane that we live in time stands still here where you can travel so much faster so you can essentially phase in and out of existence but it's just a form of traveling you know so being able to contact and communicate astral projecting yourself i mean that's something that he has tried to do so that kind of plays into the theory that he was in communication with extraterrestrials well before we get back to mr dalshaw uh, Delshaw, whatever. Yeah. Um, I gotta ask you, and I've asked a few people this, yeah. and I even question myself this all mm-hmm. the time, and I never know the right answer, and nobody ever gives me a good answer. <laughs> okay. Uh, but if aliens are so far advanced mm-hmm. and and so technologically inclined, why would they study us if if they are so far? beyond what we are why would they come back to us something so primitive why would they focus on us to do their studies so you have to look at it like this okay it's almost like you have a you have a race of beings that have come to this existence or or have evolved so much as a society to where they, for lack of better terms, are at one with the universe, okay? Okay. There is no more war for them. It's only uh, living in harmony. Living in harmony with the universe, okay? They come to this planet and happen to see that there is potential for uh, uh, intelligent life, okay? Now... They see how destructive that we can be to one another. Yep. But because of the amount that they have risen as far as, for lack of a better term, oneness or or at peace with with the galaxy or whatever, one of I I believe one of the things that they would want is, is almost like a charity. They almost want to help us, you know, better ourselves and to a higher sense of, of, of living, a higher sense of, of uh, mentality, you know. So I think that they are here studying us simply because they want to help us ascend into a higher state of, of existence. No more, because think, think, of, think of it this way. Okay, this kind of goes into the whole free energy, zero-point energy conversation. In quantum theory... And a square, one square centimeter is enough power to run our country for one year. And that's without any pollution, without any hazardous waste, it's free and it's clean. Now, given the fact that these beings have obviously been able to... uh, have ships that can zip around the universe and stuff like that. Obviously, they have tapped into that kind of uh, technology. Right, yeah. Excuse me. Um, now, given that, uh, I believe they would want the same thing for us. I believe that they study us because they're going to try to keep us from... <laughs> Killing all of us ourselves, essentially, I think. I think 
and this is just a theory of mine, if there was ever a moment where it was zero hour and everything was about to fall apart and nuclear war was just about to happen, the missiles were, you know, the finger was on the button, I honestly think that they would step in and stop. Why would they care about us? Because we have resources they may need? No. I think it's just a live and let live. Here is a planet that is full of full of life that has great potential and they want to lift any any life forms that have the potential of being great I think I think once you come to a certain point you know it's almost like people that have a whole bunch of money and they do a charitable thing to somebody because they want to help them right with no gains of their own it's just it's the right thing to do I also think that depends on the type of alien also well, because I've always read, and this is off basically everybody's speculation, that the Greys, which is the big-headed, mm-hmm. sharp-eyed, yep. smiled, like what you see in the logo of this podcast, they're always the nice ones. But you got the white ones that are the razor-sharp teeth, tall, kind of gritty-looking. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're the ones that are out there. They, A lot of people say that... that who have contact with them they've got like a nasty odor to them mm-hmm. they've got ill intentions they're out for uh, complete uh, to decimate everything I have no hesitation that there are species out there that are uh, malevolent I don't doubt that uh, I believe that the for the better part you have other beings just want to helping help out other beings you know um and that's kind of what it really comes down to because i think if i had say i had this amazing technology you know that i feel would change the world for the better i wouldn't you know squander it for my own what would the point of that be now you do have greedy people you know and that's the whole that gets into the whole conspiracy about that we do have free energy devices I think I, I talked to you offline about that about the guy that made the hydrogen car and yes. poisoned and all that stuff yes and you that goes into the theory about you know big oil and you got corporates and bankers and stuff like that that you know that's a whole different side side conversation but uh but I believe that we are being studied because we have the potential of doing great things if we were able to be guided in the right direction. Well, for our sake, I hope that's true. Because, <laughs> as we've mentioned earlier, media, movies, everything, mm-hmm. when you think aliens, you don't think anything positive unless no. you think Disney. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I definitely think that there's different species out there. Mm-hmm. As, as I said, there's... What about the, nice like the lizard people? Yeah, that's a conversation <laughs> for another time. Lizard people that are already here underground. But <laughs> what about the Nordics? Oh man, yeah, that's a good one too. Yep, there's there's so much to cover. I I definitely think there's ill intentions and there's yeah, um, you pure are, intentions. You always have the good with the bad, but what's important is that the good is the more prominent. And the stronger of the of the sides. 
Well, the problem is you come. From, I'm coming from somebody who who carries a DTA attitude, which is I don't trust anybody, mm-hmm. and especially when it's something I don't know about. Yeah. And how do I know that these aliens aren't treating us right just so they can control us later? You know. And again, that could be media persuasion, it but maybe be. it's but maybe it's not. We don't know. These are the things we don't know in life. You know, and, and that's, that's and, funny. You, you talk about that, you know, people will call you paranoid. Well, I don't call it paranoid. I call it being prepared. Um, it's always good to have a healthy dose of skepticism. Right. Because gullibility will only lead you into trouble. <laughs> yep. Um, so being skeptical at times is perfectly fine um, I think what's important is the ability to have an open mind and open to the idea that they are here to help but in the back of your head being prepared if they're not yes absolutely so. you always have to have that contingency plan and that's anything that's whether it's a oh, job yeah. I mean that's that's in general life or it's know. war yeah um, Anything. Yeah, absolutely. It's just, I had to get your opinion on it. Yeah, no. Because I've asked so many people, I've thought about it myself, and I'm a deep thinker. Yeah. It's just, I know that you're full of knowledge, so yeah. I had to get, get your intake on it. Well, okay, so let me put it this way. Uh, you know, throughout history, obviously, you know, there's evidence of, of extraterrestrials visiting, you know, the planet and whatnot. But you don't really see an uptick in activity until after we developed the atomic bomb. That's when the sightings became more prevalent, uh, the visitations became more prevalent because we created a weapon that can essentially destroy ourselves. So then do you think that the alien race find it as a threat or do you think they are the ones who slipped the knowledge to us about how to make it? Um, that can go both ways. Uh, because when you start getting into the whole mechanics of an atomic bomb, as far as splitting an atom, um, you're creating a mass amount of energy out of something so small, which is, in theory, an idea uh, that stems to, uh, you know, like I said, the, the zero-point energy. Yeah. Excuse me. Um, so, like anything... Technology that can produce a massive amount of power can be used for good or can be used for bad because we we use nuclear for electricity Maybe not as efficient as it could be or should be and it it does produce toxic or hazardous waste Um, When Einstein initially uh, Had his hat in the ring as far as the whole uh, atoms and stuff like that he was figuring about the amount of energy that you can produce from something like that so you know who's to say that someone didn't get the knowledge of how to make a a cleaner way of producing energy but also was like hmm I can also find a way to make this a destructive energy instead of an actual pure more productive energy yep I get it. Because how an atomic bomb works, it, it sets off a chain reaction. It's just not one explosion. When you split the atom, it causes a chain reaction. 
So it's really, in all honesty, it's multiple little explosions that happen in microseconds apart, but it produces and it looks like it's one massive explosion. So, Such is War of the Worlds. <laughs> Where everything dies from the flu bug. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, thanks for that. Uh, let's get back to, to Charles Delshaw's paintings. Uh, as we, we discussed, he had detailed images prior to the production of the mm-hmm. Nazi bell or, um, you know, the, the hinge, right. for that matter. I gotcha. Yeah, it was disregarded as a coincidence because he painted hundreds of craft resembling the bell. Mm-hmm. And we've looked at the paintings and looked at the the accounts of what the bell looked like and there are similarities and there's also differences as well right there seems like there's different versions a lot of it being primitive but you know looking at these and we've got the images pulled up right Mm. now they basically all have the same shape right yeah they still they they all have uh, a bell top shape um and it kind of gets different when it when you start getting more towards the actual middle of the actual but i mean if you're looking at what the account uh photographs or or renditions of the actual bell and comparing it to the old paintings you know like you said they initially have the same shape um it's just different concepts right all kind of rounded on top rounded in the center Mm -hmm. and kind of have the uh the flare out at the bottom right Mm -hmm. what's interesting though is in my episode one which was um the, the abduction of Barney and Betty Hill. Yes. They were saying that the first alien abduction that was popularly wide known was theirs. Mm-hmm. So you're talking, this is predating that. Mm-hmm. So, why would some guy randomly be painting spacecraft based on something that could expose him as being crazy or cynical well i mean i think you would have to look back at different paintings of 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 the past i mean what about picasso's work you know what about other famous artists where they're yes he was painting like ships but if you if you talk about you know him being worried about considered being crazy, I mean you look at other different types of paintings that were done back in the day of just random oddball stuff. And I get that, but what I'm saying is, motivation and ideas is one thing, mm-hmm. but what would drive him to paint this if he didn't have contact with some kind of no? Other and I form? agree, right? Yes, uh, everything has to stem from an idea. Why someone at this time period? And, you know, there was, uh, you know, you you do get ideas here and there of random things. I mean, think back to things that Da Vinci designed, you know. If the great library never burnt down, who knows what we could have had Mm -hmm. as far as inventions at this point in time. Because it was theorized that Da Vinci made a flying machine or designed a flying machine back then. But you don't know. You know, so yes, it is possibility that he was influenced, especially with some how some of the paintings looked 
they are pretty elaborate to just be a stem of an idea. And all very similar. Yes. Yep. So that's what I got on, on Mr. Del Shao. Uh, the next individual I got for evidence is a Polish author and editor and journalist. Uh, actually, in 2003, he published a book called Prada o Wonderwaffe, or in English means The Truth About the Wonder Weapon. His Wonderwaffe. Wonderwaffe. Yes, <laughs> thank you for that. Uh, the, the man's name is Igor Witkowski. Mm-hmm. Uh, Witkowski first discovered evidence of the bell in 1997 while going over the Spornberg Polish war crime court testimony transcripts. Yes. Um, I did not read this book, but from the summary that I've got, he touched base on basically everything that we covered about Jacob Spornberg, mm-hmm. his trials, and uh, the the executions of the... The scientists, the scientists, yeah. the mm-hmm. the technicians and engineers, yes. and um, the ad- admission of the details right. to the project itself. So it's kind of a uh, a, a secondary backup to uh, reinforcing mm-hmm. the truth behind it. Right. Uh, Witkowski, he um, he stated that five out of seven early Bell project engineers perished during the testing. Of the I, bell I itself, I, I I have no doubt about that. Now I don't. What I don't know is, does it mean perished as in like they were executed, or perished as in like they were expendable to the project explosions, or to being transported to the moon? Or well, I mean, we and, don't know. And that's just it. Is is you can only speculate. Okay, so you're talking about technology that was made that no one really knows what's going to happen when you flip the switch, right? And if you don't have all your ducks in a row and something goes wrong... USOL. Yeah. So for all you know, you could open a wormhole, you can cause an explosion, you can be atomized because of the type of energy and power that you're putting off. I mean, no one knows. You know, you can only speculate when it comes to technology like that. So Wachowski states that the bell was eventually moved to a South American country governed by Nazi sympathizers. (laughs) <laughs> okay, I so, see your face. Come on, weigh in so, on it. So you can't get into that kind of uh, talks without um, going into the whole conspiracy that uh, Hitler never committed suicide in this bunker. And he had a, a duplicate. He had a duplicate because it was well known that some public outings he never went. He had a double that was Doesn't almost spot me. on. Yep. And... So the theory behind that was is that it was really the doubles because Ava had a double as well. So it was in theory that the two of them were uh, the ones that died in the bunker and Hitler and Ava ran away to South America where they actually lived a full life. And there are some evidence and that's, that's a whole nother thing that we could get into. (laughs) <laughs> Isn't it kind of funny that the circle of life brings you, no matter who the person is, you know, we just had this thing, and I don't know if you covered, or not covered it, no, that's the wrong term, if you've kept tabs on it, this past year, there was, uh, and I don't remember the country, I don't know, or it might have been the United States in a different mm-hmm. state, 
but there was, I believe it was a different country. There was a picture of who they believe was a 50-something-year-old Tupac Shakur. Yeah. And the, I have to admit, the guy looked dead on like yep. him. Yeah. Um, taking a picture, a selfie, with with um, with like a puffed-out ski jacket or something on. And they said, you know, it's evidence that he was alive. Now, obviously, people look like people all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I have my own personal thoughts about is he alive or is he mm-hmm. dead? But I just find it awfully interesting that no matter who the person is of importance, there's always a theory yeah, circled around absolutely. that they're somewhere else, mm-hmm. whether it be Tupac, Biggie, Elvis, yeah. um, Michael Jackson, for that matter. Yeah. I've heard that one. Mm-hmm. Somebody who of importance always flees somewhere else and fakes mm-hmm. their own death. And the whole thing about Tupac was, and not to completely jump off aliens, Oh, no, no, I get you. Is that uh, he read a book yeah. while incarcerated. I think it was called um, The Prince. Yeah. And um, it was by um, Nicola or Nicola something. I, and it's escaping my mind right now. It might be the drink that I just had. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, this <laughs> Machiavelli. Okay. Machiavelli. And that's why he changed his stage name to Machiavelli. Yeah. And because um, in The Prince, it was about a guy who faked his own death mm-hmm. and fled from whatever he was running around. I never read it. I've always wanted to read it. Yeah. I never got the chance to. But it is awfully interesting that he read the book while incarcerated, mm-hmm. changed his life around, then all of a sudden was killed off. Yeah. But before he was killed off, he put out an album called... Illuminati, mm-hmm. which was a stab at the Illuminati, yeah. and he went by the stage name Machiavelli, which is very similar to the author of The Prince. Again, I know, think uh, I, I think we'll know the truth in a few years when the when uh, a trio group comes out of the woodwork of uh, Tupac, Biggie, and Elvis. So, yep, <laughs> yep, and and believe it or not, Prince is in, wrapped into that too. Oh God, yeah. And then uh, there's even a James Brown one, even though you know <laughs> he was still touring around dead for a few years. <laughs> no, but no, in, in all reality, like what you said, that's absolutely true. Um, you always come across all these different things of, of people that, you know, there's evidence that can be found that, well, they're not really dead, you know. And, and like I said, the, the whole Hitler thing, it's no different because it is a situation that is definitely believable. Yep. You know. Excuse me. It was purported that there was no body, no actual physical body found um, of Hitler, because you know it was said that they they were burnt, you know, before uh, the Russians got there, and then the Russians said they have evidence of dragging Hitler's body behind their tank, and he wasn't really burnt, and all that kind of stuff. So there's a lot of different things that can go with all. Yeah, I firmly believe there's no evidence of yeah. a body because back in the day, and I don't believe that they're an active website anymore, there was a website called Rotten.com, and they had a celebrity morgue section, yeah. and there was a picture of Hitler, or what mm. they said was Hitler. Granted, I give them credit. It did look like it, and to them, from what they got, probably could have been or could have not been, mm-hmm. but we don't know. Right. And without DNA testing, we would never right. know. Absolutely, yeah, because uh, the Russians said that they put Hitler's body on display for uh, a while after World War II in some of their museums and stuff. They did that to um, who was the Russian leader before Stalin? 
Oh, shoot. Gosh, what was his name? But he was on. Yeah. Uh, he was on display. It was like a glass coffin or yes, some crap like that. It was super creepy. Yeah. Um, I forget what the hell his name was. I think his last name started with a V, right? Uh, let me look it up here. Yeah, because I, I remember. Uh, <laughs> oh, yep, there it is. Right there. There it is. Man, that's creepy. Lennon. Yes. Yes. Was it Vladimir Lennon? Yeah, Vladimir Lennon. Yeah. And that's, dude was in a, a freaking glass case. That's creepy as hell. It is very creepy. <laughs> and I'm sorry for anybody that may be uh, viewers of the South, but when you take pictures at a funeral to try to remember that moment um, of your loved one, that is creepy. Yes. Uh, I find that very creepy. Maybe it's because I'm a Midwestern guy or Mid <laughs> Eastern. What, what are we considered? Uh, we're considered Midwest. Yeah, yeah. I, that's creepy. I'm sorry. <laughs> that that creeps the hell out of me. I but, understand if you want to get a picture with your loved one at their funeral. Where but, we're from, though, we like to remember how they were. Yes. Uh, then you start seeing people posing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, back in the day, they used to do that with children. Yeah. When I they know. passed, they would I pose know. them, and it's like. Hell no! Yeah, yeah. Hell Don't do no! That. Don't do that, dude. Come on. Ah, yes. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So that covers Mr. Wachowski. Um, as we transition off that creepy, hey, it's yeah. Halloween time, okay? Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Might uh, as well. Nick Cook is the next guy we're going to talk about. He is a military journalist and author, uh, and we're going to piggyback on Wachowski's research. Cook provided his own views in his book, The Hunt for Zero Point. Again, I did not read it, but I do feel like I want to read these, but I also feel like, and you know my personal life, I don't have time for that. Yeah, we're uh, we're both pretty pretty damn busy. Right. With everything in our personal lives, we got a lot going on. You know um, what will help you with books, though? Audible? Yes. Yeah, and that's yeah. not a sponsorship point. Yeah, so. no, no, that's not a plug. <laughs> we, I'm just saying. It's not a cheap plug at all. No, uh, but there are actual free uh, apps, too, that you can get through the library. That's how I listen to a lot of my books, and I normally do it at work. That's what I would love to do, because right now I fill my ears at work with, with podcasts. Yeah, and you can get a lot of information from them, too, but if you're talking about actual books... Um, oh, I would love to listen to books. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Definitely, and I know sometimes like some people that I talk to, especially at work, to like I walk around like a zombie sometimes, and it's just because I'm you got to focus, yeah. yeah. yeah Otherwise, you're gonna miss something key, right? Yeah. The last book I listened to uh, while at work, I was uh, walking around and I was listening to Tim Tebow's motivational book he just came out with, which whether you like him or not as a, a, a football player is irrelevant. As mm -hmm. a, a, a man himself, he uh, he was pretty motivational. Mm -hmm. um, his last book was talking about being so positive to people. It, it was great. I will tell you, and this is the story is made up, but the science and stuff that was put into it, excuse me, uh, is very plausible, and it actually covers a lot of the stuff that we've talked about. And I think I've even told you about it. It's called Undisclosed. Yes. By Steve Alton. Yep. And it even has... Uh, Stephen Greer even actually plays a character in that book. Oh, yeah. okay. So it's, it's really good. Um, and we here. Yes. It's, uh, it's a very, very good book. And it gives you a lot to think about as far as um, conspiracy and stuff like that. So so if you ever get a chance, it's Undisclosed by Steve Alton. It's, re it's really good. 
All right. Well, I'll definitely check that out. Uh, but, and I believe I actually have that on a post-it note upstairs. Yeah, because I, yeah, I remember telling you about it before. Uh, but Nick Cook believes that the bell was transported to a United, to the, uh, excuse me, to the United States per an agreement with SS General Hans Kammler. Hans Kammler. Uh, and American officials. Okay, so that kind of ties into. I mean, like, do you have anything else before I get into? No, this? that that covers Nick Cook. Um, I've got one more guy. If you want to go ahead and cover that last guy, and then we'll get into Hans Kammler a little bit. Absolutely, Henry Stevens. He's also an author. Uh, we got a lot of authors. Obviously, there's a lot of people interested, like we mm-hmm. are. Um, more power to them. Yep. Uh, his book is. Hitler's suppressed and still secret weapons, science and technology. Again, I did not That's, read it. That, that was a mouthful right there. Had I wish that I had the time to, I would. I really, really would, but I, I don't. But um, I'll check out the cliff notes. Yes. Uh, he discussed that the violet fuel was red mercury, as we discussed, mm-hmm. because conventional mercury does not contain fluid compounds. Also, he tells the story of German scientist Otto Kearney telling about special Third Reich tech that utilized a concave mirror atop the bell. He also claims that it was a uh, also capable of generating images from the past, such as what we talked about at the beginning of the show. As it being a time machine, absolutely. So, that's pretty interesting. (laughs) Yes. Uh, that covers what I got on Henry Stevens. Okay. So, so let's go back to the Hans, Hans Kammler. So yes. uh, Hans Kammler was essentially a lot like the guy that overseen a lot of the special projects uh, for German weaponry and, and, uh, and projects. So <laughs> he worked really close with uh, uh, Werner von Braun who, ironically enough, was one of the biggest reasons why we went to the moon. Um, back in, or back at the end of the war, there was a secret agree- agreement uh, called Operation Paperclip, where 1,600 uh, Nazi scientists, engineers, um, and uh, scientists uh, and technicians uh, were all given a, a, a clean slate. Didn't matter what they did during the war, they were all brought over here to the States. One of the most important ones was Werner von Braun. And he was the leader in uh, rocket propulsion. Um, he was the driving force between uh, behind the, the V2 rockets. Um, and uh, he was one of the leading causes of us being able to get... Um, a uh, our uh, our missile, or essentially, our trip to the moon was a pod sitting on one big missile. That's what it really came down to. Right. I believe um, originally when he did a um, before everybody knew his Nazi past, mm-hmm. he did an interview that promised ten to fifteen years from that point he would. Um, he would guarantee that we would have some kind of advanced technology that could launch us into the space mm-hmm. uh, and and be able to travel anywhere or have any kind of advanced systems. But it was actually five years later that we did that because of Russia and Sputnik and everything. Right. So um, 
<laughs> so he he was one of the the leading forces in propulsion technology. Now he worked very close with Hans Kammler, and obviously he was the one that was uh, a big overseer of all the special projects. And he uh, reported to uh, uh, Heinrich Himmler, so or Heimlich Himmler. Him, oh, I'm getting tongue twisted. It's German names, they're hard to pronounce. Yeah, Himmler. So he was the leader of the SS, which was, he was essentially the right-hand man of Hitler. And uh, he was also into like a whole lot of uh, weird stuff as far as like the occult and even uh, supposed like devil worshipping and all that kind of stuff. That's that's a whole different other topic uh, within its own. But... Slowly, as time went on, um, the the uh, overseeing of all these special projects and weapons slowly fell more and more into the SS control. Um, so when when at the end of the war, what ended up happening was, as we discussed earlier, all those scientists and techs that worked on the Bell were all executed. All of a sudden, right at the end, Hans uh, uh, Kammler and the bell just disappeared hmm. how convenient yes no one knows where they went and it came to a point where his wife had to essentially get a court order to declare him dead and that was only based off of a uh, a witness account that they saw his body but there was no actual body of Hans Kammler so do you believe that the bell was transported via alien technology somewhere else? Do you think it was transported to South America? Do you believe it was transported to America? or well, And do you believe that uh, Hans went with it? I think so. Um, you can only speculate on where it went. Obviously, if you're having the noose tightening around your neck with you know, the Soviets and the Allied forces and stuff moving in, you had to do something. Now, considering uh, Operation Paperclip, I have no doubt that the theory of him taking the bell and himself to America is a more of a logical uh, idea, which would have gave be more of a reason for us to have, you know, that kind of technology. But it also could have been that. He used it to just escape to who knows where, you know. That's the whole thing is that this whole thing, you you don't know exactly if you got into this bell what it was going to do. Did it take you back in time? Did it take you interdimensionally to someplace else? Did it, you know, just fly around, zip around the galaxy? You don't know. Right. He's asking a diet on Uranus. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) But that is that is one key thing is that him and the bell disappeared at the same time. Interesting enough, I didn't see and and I don't know if if, if anybody out there has any kind of um, evidence or uh, research showing this. I did not find any. Um, but I when we um, went on the internet to look for images of the bell, all I seen was. Fan art, uh, paintings, CGI, 
and the hinge itself, an actual picture of the hinge, I did not see an actual picture of the bell. And there was only, the only thing that they've ever really been able to dig up, essentially, quote, unquote, um, was a, a blueprint. But it was such a very basic blueprint. Right. That it didn't tell you much information. It just gave you an idea of the shape. Which some of those renditions of those pictures that we've seen was what that blueprint showed. So that's how they got that kind of imagery. But there was really no much, not not much information. So, but yeah, at the end of the war, the bell just disappeared. Did it come here? And it's sitting in some, you know, warehouse someplace out in Booth. It could be in at uh, Roswell for all we know. <laughs> Roswell. For all we know, it could Area be uh, Wright Patterson. Yeah, yeah. It could be anywhere. Well, supposedly that's where they took all the dead bodies and the structures from Roswell. I ships. heard that. I'm going them. to cover a Wright Patterson. Yeah, dude, and that place is cool. Like, I want to go back and actually walk around it again because the last time I was there, I was really young. Mm-hmm. Well, I went it was a really cool trip. place. Yeah. It was actually. really cool. And um, I am completely on board for a Wright Patterson episode. If you ever want to come back for any topic, yeah, feel free. Just let me know. Oh, dude, I, I got tons. <laughs> we could sit here all night. <laughs> one thing's for sure. Whatever happened, Mr. Werner von Braun knows what happened. Yes. I, I agree. I think if he knew, if anybody knew, he did. He absolutely did. Yeah, it, it's it's mind-boggling because you you don't you can't prove it, so you're stuck speculating. But like I like I'm saying, I would almost want to speculate rather than be proven wrong on what I would want it to be. Mm-hmm. So this, and I did not, and it's it's important to to, to put out there. That I did not know anything about the bell until Justin told me about it, and I started looking it up, mm-hmm. and it's it's pretty interesting. And I'm a history buff myself, as I've mentioned, and I did not know anything about this, but the fact that they had access to this technology is it's, it's, it's incredible. Mm-hmm. It's well, and 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 it, and too, you know, you have to think too if if they had more time if we didn't move in on them when we did and say they had another two three years of time to develop more tech shit man we could have been speaking german right now for all we know you know you have no idea you don't know you know because they were working on their own atomic bomb too yeah it's just they didn't get to it fast enough i'm gonna put you on the spot why do you think that the aliens decided to slide this information to the Germans specifically rather than to the Americans or you know the French or the British or anybody? Slide the technology to them in terms of what? And and why why not the Russians? Why why okay, let me make it more vague. Okay. Why did they touch base? Why did the aliens touch base about the advanced technology? With the axis of evil rather than with the allies. I don't think they did it on purpose. I think they got most of their technology from that crash back in 1936. Okay, so you think the Germans discovered it and just adapted from there? Mm-hmm. You don't think that the 
I don't think that they got it willingly from the aliens. I think that they, I mean, it, and it's the same thing. Okay, so 1947, that's when Roswell happened. You know, I think we did the exact same thing. We found a ship. We found all this other tech that we could reverse engineer because you have to think too. You know, 1945, around that time, that's when we had Operation uh, Paperclip. Well, Warner von Braun, he was already part of all that stuff over there in Germany. And all of a sudden we're like, hey, we got some tech to play with now too. You know, I think it was just a matter of them discovering that crash and reverse engineering it. I don't think anything was given willingly. So... So do you think that during this period, during, I don't know if you would call it an arms race or mm. what, during World War II, I'm sure we probably had a special department that was keeping tabs on Nazi technology. Oh yeah, absolutely. Whether it be the CIA or whatnot. Do you think that we had a men in black back then? and Or do you believe that there was a men in black? Or is a men in black? Okay, so... You have to understand, um, like the, the FBI and the CIA and stuff like that, that wasn't really a thing until after World War II. Um, do I think that there was, uh, as you said, a men in black? I, I think so. I think there was some sort of a department, call it, you know, special ops or what have you. Excuse me. Um, I I believe that there, still to this day, there's probably a department somewhere whose sole purpose is to uh, keep the lie and keep people from finding out the truth. You know. I agree with you. I definitely think something shady happens. Definitely think there's one specific team or department yeah. or whatever you want to call them mm -hmm. that uh, whether their sole purpose is to cover it up yeah. or discover it or whatever it be be. Yeah. It may not be exactly like the Will Smith, Tommy Lee Jones. I don't think people are walking around with little pens that erase your little memory. Flash and, thing, and the noisy cricket. Noisy cricket. But um, <laughs> I do believe that there is a department that specifically keeps tabs on that whether they get a lot of business or not yeah it's no, not for I, me to uh, say and then that's when you start talking about that I mean you start rolling into uh, like the theory of shadow governments and um, you know people that essentially run the country or run the world behind the scenes that are uber rich and you know have certain people of different organizations in their pockets that are huh. part of that uh, now you're talking like the Illuminati and the world bankers and... right yeah absolutely yep. um, so you know who's to say <laughs> okay for instance you know it, you ever drive down the road and you just see some random ass shack sitting out in the middle of the field yep what do you 
could that be a secret facility? You never know. Could be. You know, your mind can wander, you know, about stuff like that. First thing I think is Pennywise is well, sitting yeah, there. Well, yeah. <laughs> That's a whole different thing. <laughs> um, but, uh, but no, I mean, if you have an open, an open a, a, enough mind, you know, yes, some things can be like, that's just completely ridiculous, you know. But if you see enough stuff that even if it's, the evidence seems a little far-fetched, but you still have an open mind to, if you kind of, <clears throat> excuse the pun, go down a rabbit's hole. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, enough to be like, okay, so you ask yourself, what if this far-fetched evidence really is true? I ask myself all that all the yeah. time. So, when you start thinking like that, like, okay, say this is true, then what? And then you just start going down and down and further and further and further. I literally the next scenarios yeah. in my head all the time. And so the next thing you know, you're standing there and thinking to yourself, well, hell, man, if that's true, that's crazy, you know? Mm -hmm. So, like, you, in situations like this, you, you have to allow yourself to wander, you know? People who just completely just write things off as being all oh, that's that's crazy or all oh, that's ridiculous, you know that's not true. You're not keeping an open mind with things, you know, and you have to be able to look at situations and things in, in multi perspectives, you know. So I mean that's kind of like my two cents as far as <laughs> all that goes. Yeah, and I I really and I, I agree with that. I really think that. If you have any common sense and you're open-minded, like you said, you will have a good sense of what could be plausible and mm -hmm. what's not plausible. Yeah, absolutely. Now, do we believe Godzilla is living under the ocean? My opinion, probably not. <laughs> but is it possible that there's aliens that are, you know, keeping tabs on us? I definitely think that based do you think on there's a cover-up. Oh, I absolutely there's a cover up. <laughs> exactly. There's a cover up on anything. Yeah, and, and that's what I'm saying is because you've caught wind of enough information that makes it plausible. Mm -hmm. Because you can play it around in your head and be like, well, damn, that really could be a thing. Yep. You know, and anything can be explained like that. And I firmly believe that there is a team within no matter what government, what country, whatever it is, that will make you look crazy. They'll, they'll completely make you irrelevant to the world. They'll do a smear job on you. Yeah. They'll either make you irrelevant to the mm -hmm. world and make you look crazy. Or they'll discredit your your entire being to where... Discredit you, yeah. wipe out your existence, mm -hmm. or you will become no longer... That's when you just disappear. <laughs> right. Yes. Well, and see, that's the thing. Uh, excuse me. No, you're fine. See, this is the type of stuff that we talked about, life getting in the way. Yep. I, I yep. have, uh, my child is uh, having a little bit of sickness at home, and I have to answer this real quick. I do apologize. You are perfectly fine. I know how it is to have kids. You know that. I mm -hmm. seem to be a collector. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I laughed a little bit too hard on that. But, um, yeah, I'm not even going to edit it out because that, to me, that's authentic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but while you're doing that, I'm going to give my two cents on, yeah, on the matter. Go for it. Uh, I, I, 
just learning what I've learned about the Nazi bell, I firmly believe that it's possible that it did exist. I don't know where it went. I don't know what it was capable of. Did it actually project somebody to the moon or beyond? Did it time travel? I don't know. And I don't know if anybody really knows. I don't know if any of the scientists really know. All we know is whoever worked on the project that was that close seemed to be killed off. Yeah, I mean, there was... I mean, right right, what you were talking about with uh, <clears throat> excuse me, eyewitnesses and stuff like that, the only person that was talking about it was one of the guys that killed everybody. Right. You know? So why didn't Warner Von Braun get killed off? He must not have been as close to some of these other scientists. I think, I think Warner von Braun, because he was so close to uh, uh, Hans Kommler and stuff like that, I think he was above untouchable in that sense. Um, you think that it would almost be a um, lose-lose situation, whether if they kill him, they lose off on information and advance in the, um, the advantage in the war— but if they keep him alive, he also could be expendable. Uh, yeah, I, I think, uh, well, and who's to say that the people that were killed that day were just the people that were there? You know, he could have been someplace else. You know, it could have been just a panic move, for all we know. Yep. Because, obviously, Hans Kommler, he was the overseer of all the special projects. He didn't get capped, you know? Right. So, he just disappeared when the bell disappeared so who knows you know um so i mean that it leaves a lot to to think about you know as far as why certain people were were executed and certain people weren't i would really be interested in hearing what everybody out there thinks whether you you comment or email or whatever it is weigh in on the topic you know, oh, absolutely. You, you've got our opinion on it. Uh, you know, and, and it isn't just stopping at the Nazi bell. Oh, no. It's other things. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's widely known with other uh, alien technology. Mm -hmm. So, and I've, I'll cover many, many other topics. Yeah. But I would really be interested in seeing what you guys think. Uh, Justin, did you have anything else that you wanted to cover on? Um, the only other thing as far as during uh, that period that was really well known was the uh, the Foo Fighters. And, ah, yes. And that's not the band. I had this discussion with my brother earlier when I brought up <laughs> Foo Fighters. He was like, what does the band have to do with World War II? Yep. I promise you Dave Grohl was not a Nazi. <laughs> no. Disclosure. Um, <laughs> uh but we'll probably have to talk about that some other time. Um, but that really ties more into uh, the Nazi UFO program, uh, which was uh, the uh, the Hanabu program. Um, and it was the accounts of uh, the Allies seeing uh, essentially UFOs flying around and interfering with their uh, instruments and stuff like that. So... Um, that, that's a whole different topic, but it's still related to the time that we were talking about. Yeah, and 
if you're willing to, I would love to make this a part two where we can oh, touch yeah. on the food yeah, fighter. Absolutely, yeah, we, can, we we can go. We can because I I think you know initially we talked about trying to have it, you know, with the bell. But I think that there's so much with the Foo Fighters as as its, its own, own thing, entity. yeah. That I think we would do a disservice of trying to cram that into what we've been talking about, right? So yes, as far as being a part two, I agree, and then that way we can focus strictly on just the Foo Fighters. Yes, absolutely, and uh, that'll give me more time to research it. I started mm-hmm. researching it a little bit, and. Right. From what I've seen, it sounded phenomenal. Mm-hmm. It sounded very interesting. It pulled my attention. And like you said, I feel like that I wouldn't be doing it justice if I didn't spend more time researching right. it. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, it's settled in. We will make a part two of this episode strictly talking about the Foo Fighters and whatever else Nazi alien related. Yep. And um, as you know, we, we will talk about many different things. We will uh, divert our attention. Life will get in the way. Yeah. We will um, we'll take sidebars, yeah. but it is going to pull everybody's attention. And and you know, if anybody in the audience has heard anything else that we kind of might have said in a sidebar that they might have found interesting and wanted to know more about, by all means, you know, let 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 it be heard. Yes, reach out. Let us know if there's anything that anybody. It doesn't even have to be alien related. Uh, sorry, related. Sorry, that's that drink hit me. Yeah. <laughs> um, related. Uh, reach out. We'll cover it. We yeah. don't care. Yeah, I mean, I definitely don't have any problem coming back and, uh, you know, having a sit down and a chat and a drink. <laughs> yep. I have a feeling that Justin will be a recurring guest. Um, but thank you again for, for taking the time out of oh, your busy schedule. No problem at all. I... I Man, I had a blast. It was a great time. I really enjoyed this chat. I've learned a lot. Um, You really piqued my interest, and I will cover um, more Nazi alien stuff in the future. Yeah, and And like I said, yeah, we'll 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 go over the Foo Fighters the next time we can get together because that's that's a whole other interesting thing within itself. It's it it's kind of freaky sometimes. (laughs) Yes, and and anybody who wants to uh, check out those documentaries that we talked about. Uh, the Bob Lazar one, I believe, is still on Netflix. It is. I just checked. Uh, and then there's the uh, Nazi Mega Weapons series that Justin mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Then there's Unacknowledged, which is, like you said, it's a book? Uh, there's a book and a movie. Um, Unacknowledged was by Stephen Greer. Yes. Um, and it touches a lot about uh, how uh, the proof of aliens have been uh, covered up and stuff in modern uh, government. And then there's also one called Sirius. It's spelt like Sirius Radio. Um, and Which is you, also not a cheap plug. Right. Um, but, but that's also... But you can only find that on YouTube, but it's free on YouTube. Um, and that talks uh, more about uh, you know proof of alien. It talks about like CE5 that I had mentioned. And it talks a little bit about like free energy and stuff like that. I think both of those documentaries touch on those subjects. So... Um, they're really good. Um, they're kind of long. They're about two hours long. So just you know, get your popcorn and have a seat. Absolutely. So don't watch it late at night because you'll fall asleep. Yep. But anybody who <laughs> who has the time and is the interest for documentaries, I I'm going to watch them. I highly suggest you do too. And um, hey, maybe we'll even devote an episode just for that. You know, we'll see. Yeah, we can do that. But 
thank you again, and we will see you in the future. Yep. Thank you all very much. This concludes and wraps up about part one of our Nazis and Alien Technology episode. I want to thank Justin again for taking time out of his schedule for the knowledge that he shared upon us. And I want to thank you all for your patience with me. But as always, that's another episode of the Rabbit Hole Wanderer podcast. Thank you all for stopping by and checking it out. If you enjoyed, please comment, like, and click subscribe and share the word. Follow me on social media for updates and coverage of things to come. I'm on Instagram at rhwandererpod, Twitter at podrhw, and Facebook at fb.me slash rhwpod. You can also email me at thenomad513 at yahoo.com. And always heed this message. We must wake up and open our minds.